0: Alright, again, good evening, good to have you here tonight. I want to invite you to take your Bibles and let's turn to the book of Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, the Gospel of Luke. And we are going to read the first eight verses. And he, the Lord Jesus, spake a parable unto them, to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Of course, that word men, there's a generic term, that means also not only men, but also women. Young people, saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith: Shall not God avenge His own elect, which cry day and night unto Him, though He bear long with them? I tell you, uh, that He Will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? And the Lord will add His blessings to reading of His precious Word. I, I was thinking of this. This This is the authorized version, the King James version. All right. Thank you for asking. Well, I can put it in my thing to see. Oh, oh, you can't. Okay, good. Well, in keeping, you know, over the last few few weeks, Pastor Mark has been uh, dealing with the matter of prayer, and I thought we would continue that theme, and uh, so you'll notice from your little lesson sheet, and you'll always, uh, the Lord willing, as long as I'm Whenever I'm teaching or preaching, I will be using handouts because this is my forte, that I enjoy doing this. It gives you something to take home also. And ten years from now, you can pull it out and say, oh yeah, I remember Brother Escalera talking about prayer. But you'll notice that uh, I've titled this, What Hinders Us From Prayer? (laughs) Or From Praying? And I want to ask you a question tonight. How often should we pray? Just brief. Continually. Continually. What else? Who said? as often as we can, alright. Um, you're familiar with the Muslims? You, you've heard of the Muslims? Uh, the Muslims are very devout people. I don't know if you knew that. The word Muslim is actually an Arabic word meaning one who submits to God. One who submits to God. And I don't know again if you know this or not, but, but Muslims pray five times every day. Every day. No matter where they are in the world, they faithfully unroll their prayer rugs, and they bow toward Mecca five times every day. And of course, this is commendable. We say, oh, that's great, wonderful. They pray five times a day. It's more than I pray. Um, however, they're praying to the wrong God. I have a Could you imagine us Americans doing that with our little prayer rug? Just, yeah. yeah, can you? Yeah. Yeah, can you imagine going down to Wally World and and everybody, you know, at a certain time of the day, everybody rolls out their little prayer rugs. And there, by the way, there's a section there where they sell rugs in case you don't have one. (laughs) They're praying to a God that cannot hear and that cannot answer their prayers. You know, the Jews of the Old Testament, uh, they were also very devout. And uh, they would pray three times a day. David said in Psalm 55, verse 16 and 17, here'd be a good one to pray. Morning, or evening and morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. I'm glad that we have a God who hears us when we pray, whether it be once a day, or three times a day, or five times a day, but as often, all right? And, and, and notice that Jesus said men ought always to pray. How about Daniel? In Daniel chapter six, I've just got through reading. Uh, I'm reading through the Old Testament again. I've just finished reading uh, Daniel, and it says, "Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day, and he prayed, and he gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. Do do you ever have trouble praying? Would you shake your head? Yes. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, because if you didn't raise your hand, you wouldn't be telling the truth. You know, there are times in a Christian's life when, when it becomes difficult to pray. And yet Jesus said here in verse 1 that men and women and young people ought always to pray. How do we do that? Are we to go around every day with our eyes closed and praying constantly? No, I don't think so. But I do believe it means to be in a constant readiness or in constant attitude, heart attitude of prayer. So that anywhere we are, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we, at that very moment we can utter a prayer. And it doesn't have to be verbal because it's really, it's only between me and God, right? We say that we believe in prayer, but we don't pray. Uh, we know that we should pray, but we don't. And we, uh, we are certainly commanded to pray, but we don't. So, so what hinders us from praying? Yeah, I believe that the answer lies in three areas. And you'll see I've outlined them for you on your lesson sheet tonight. Uh, first of all, there's the matter of the iniquity of our hearts. Because of unconfessed sins. That's why sometimes we don't pray. Because there are sins lingering in our lives that we have not confessed. Psalm 32 in verse 5. <clears throat> now I'll just read some of these verses. I think I've given them to you on the lesson sheet. Psalm 32 verse 5 says, that, uh, David said here, and this, this is a, the blessedness of forgiveness. David says, I acknowledge my sin. In other words, I fessed up. Unto thee and mine iniquity or my sin have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Another psalm would be Psalm 66, verse 18. Psalm 66, verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. There are times when the Lord doesn't hear our prayers. Oh, he hears them, yes, because he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he knows all things. And then First John 1 verse 9, what does that say? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the iniquity of our hearts, sometimes, you know, sometimes we don't pray because of, because of unconfessed sins. And then secondly, because of an unbelieving heart. You know, our hearts are filled with doubt. And sometimes we just don't believe God can answer or will answer. There's some verses there for you in Matthew 17 and Mark 11. Pardon me. Mark 11 and verse 24. Therefore, I say unto you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Well, that's the problem. Sometimes we just don't believe God's word. We don't believe that he will answer our prayers. And, and by the way, have, have you ever had a prayer not answered? Anybody? Now this is going to surprise you, okay? Actually, I personally believe that God answers all of our prayers. Now hear me out, all right? Did you know that no is an answer? Yes. Yeah. No, yes. Has God ever said no to a prayer request? That's an answer. And that's why I say, and I believe that God answers all of our prayers. We think that God always has to say yes. Uh, parents, let me ask you this. Do, do you always say yes to your children? Huh? Huh? When, uh, Brother Sam, when your kids ask for something, you say, oh, yeah, okay, sure, let me go get it. Yes, you can have it. I oh, sure, all right. No. Huh? I always say no. You always say no. I know what to <laughs> There's no surprise. There's, there, there are no surprises, right? They, they know the answer automatically. Well, I wouldn't even bother asking if it was me. <laughs> you know, God may answer our prayers in four ways. First of all, he may pray, no because I love you too much. And you know, parents, we love our children. There are times we'll say no because we love them. Secondly, God may answer, wait, you're not ready for this. You ever had said that to your kids? Not yet. Maybe when you grow up a little bit, when you get a little older. Third, he may answer, yes, and I thought you'd never ask. I like that one. But here's the best one, yes, and here's more. I think we've all had answered prayers like that. So, not only because of unconfessed sin, and also because of an unbelieving heart, but thirdly, because of unreasonable requests. Sometimes we come to the Lord and, and our, our, our requests are just, well, they're unreasonable. Look at the James, in James chapter 4 and verse 3. In James 4 and verse 3, it says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss. Because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your own lust. There are times that we come and we ask God for something that just, it's unreasonable really. And why we even bother to ask God when we already know the answer. If we're in His Word, we'll know what to pray for and what not to pray for. Sometimes we try to bribe God. You ever done that? Huh? We bribe God and, and, and we seek His help and we, say, we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, if you will do this, then, then I'll do that. Okay. Folks, uh, let me let you know something. You don't make deals with God. God doesn't make deals with us. And then also, fourthly, because of an unforgiving spirit. Because of an unforgiving spirit, in Mark chapter 11 and verse 25. Mark 11, verse 25 and 26. And when you stand praying, forgive, if ye have aught against any. That your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, verse 32 says, Be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. There are times that our, our prayers are hindered, folks because we have unconfessed sin in our lives, because we have an unbelieving heart, because we ask unreasonable requests, and then because of an unforgiving spirit. Sometimes we have something against someone else. And you know what? That's the time to get right with the Lord about that matter. And then come with your petitions. And then God said, then I'll forgive you if you forgive others. And so there's the iniquity of our hearts. Hinders us from praying, and then secondly, the ignorance of our minds. The ignorance of our minds. Um, I think it was Will Rogers who once said, "We are all ignorant, just on different subjects." That makes sense. Yeah, and it's in the, rather, Doug. It's in those times of ignorance that we need to come to the Lord and ask Him for wisdom. That's what James says. That if we come to God and we ask for wisdom, He'll give it to us. He upbraideth not. He doesn't scold us when we come. No matter how often we come to Him, He doesn't scold us. And you know, there are times uh, uh, concerning the ignorance of our minds when uh, we really don't know what to pray for. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for, as, for as we, we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Hmm. And so it's in times when we come to the Lord, and you know, sometimes, I, I'll be honest with you, there's, there's been times, and there are times, when I, I don't know what to pray for. I think this little book, and I've started reading it, um, I think I'm halfway through it now very interesting little book about the matter of praying it's good suggestion there on how to pray and uh, the matter of praying for the scriptures but there are times when even that might not help because of the ignorance of our minds and not only do we not know what to pray for but uh, we don't know how to pray and, and you know the, the, the Lord's disciples came to him one day and they said in um, Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, they, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of the disciples, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Would, would you teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples? And then not only do we not know what, how to pray or what to pray for, but uh, sometimes we, we just don't pray according to God's will. And First uh, John, by the way, if you don't have this mark, I'd encourage you to mark it. First John, chapter five, and verse fourteen. And you'll notice here in First John, chapter five, and uh, verse fourteen, it says, "And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything, now here here's here here's the or the." Um, uh, the, 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 what's the word I want to use? The, crux. the clarification, the what? The crux. Well, the crux, the clarification. He says, and this is the confidence. We can have confidence when we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will. And there's the key right there. According to His will. 1 John. John 5 and verse 14. Oh, if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And so I think that's why, you know, when we pray, we say, Lord, if, this be the, if it be thy will, would you please do this? Would you answer this petition? If it be thy will. And I think that's the way we should always come to the Lord, if it's the Lord's will. And um, so, and then thirdly, not only is there the iniquity of our hearts that hinder us from praying and the ignorance of our minds, but thirdly, the infirmities of our bodies. The infirmities of our bodies. You know, in, in, in Romans eight and verse 26, we read that a while ago. It spoke about the infirmities, and, and, and that can mean frailty, it can mean weakness uh, or disease. And so there may be times when um, have you ever been too tired to pray? You don't have to respond. I'm sure you have. Have you ever fallen asleep while you're on your knees praying or in bed praying? And yeah, you're all, I think we're all guilty there, aren't we? Yeah. Our bodies sometimes are so weak and weary or sick. And there are times that maybe we just you know, fall off and, and uh, we don't pray. Not only when we're tired, but when we're tested and tried. And there are times that the testings that God allows in our lives. By the way, God never tempts us. Did you know that? God doesn't tempt us. He tries us. He allows testings to come into our lives. And there are times that we're tested and we're tried, and, and, and we just we just can't pray. Um, and then thirdly, when we're troubled or perplexed, you ever had something troubling you so much that you just could not express your prayers? I remember, forgive me for being personal, but when, 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 when our son John went to be with the Lord 25, what six years ago, something like that, uh, we were in Germany, and I remember that night I was so troubled. We were so troubled and we were perplexed and I just didn't know how to express my heart. I didn't know how to express what I wanted to say, Brother Doug. I knew this. uh, It was all in God's hand. It was God's will and we had to accept it. But the infirmities are our bodies. They they will hinder us from praying sometimes. So here's the fourth thing I wanted to put down. The importance of prayer. Why is prayer important? Well, someone has said that prayer connects the impotence of man with the omnipotence of God, and the impotence simply means the lack or strength or of power uh, the helplessness and we are impotent, but God is omnipotent he is all powerful all right, and prayer connects us with him so in our text, all right, uh, Jesus is using a parable here to teach, and to encourage his disciples to pray, and and to be persistent in prayer. By the way, the word parable comes from two Greek words, and I'm not a Greek scholar, okay, so, you know, but the two Greek words are para, P-A-R-A, meaning alongside, and then the word bole, which means to throw. So a parable means to throw alongside, to compare. Um, it signifies a placing of, of one thing beside another for comparison. And that's what the Lord is doing here. He's going to compare. He's going to give us a little story here, a parable. And he's comparing something. A parable is a short story that places one thing that is known besides another thing that is unknown for the purpose of teaching. Okay? Okay. So why did Jesus use parables in the first place? Do you have any idea? To well, you, sorry. Because they were stories, people listened for one thing, and they were always about things they knew about. Okay. So, so the, par- the what part of it you said that? The part that's real, and mm-hmm. then the part that is scriptural. Okay. And so because they see this, they could... I, yeah, I think someone has expressed it this way. A, a, a parable is a heavenly story with, with an earthly... Yes. What? Uh? Meaning. 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 Meaning or explanation. All right. So, um, Jesus taught parables. He used parables. And uh, when you read the book, of, when you read the Gospels, uh, I did a series on the parables of Jesus in the book of Matthew. And uh, there, there are quite a few in there. But when Jesus used, when he taught in parables, it was for two main reasons. Uh, You know, most people think that Jesus used parables for the purpose of helping people who who were ignorant um, of spiritual truths to help them understand them. However, the primary uh, purpose in using parables was, first of all, to conceal the truth, to hide the truth, about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven from the multitude who wanted to be entertained. Did you know all the people that followed Jesus weren't there because they loved him and wanted to hear what he had to say? No, no. Many of them were there for self-reasons. Many of them were there for what they could get out of Jesus. And that's the way it is today. We have churches full of folks, uh, Brother Jerry, that, that, that the only reason they go to church is just for what's in it for them. What, what can you do? You know, when we were in England and we started our first ministry there. I remember uh I remember one family coming in and they looked at the little village hall we had and it had a stage on it and they 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 looked at it and they said first thing they said was this ain't no church. And and then they said, "What can you do for us? What can your church do for my for our son?" And that's the way it is with a lot of people. What's in it for me? Lord, what can you do for me? And um So that was the first reason why he taught in parables, so that he could hide the truth from those who really didn't want the truth. Many of them wanted a free handout. They wanted a free lunch. The second reason he taught in parables was to reveal the truth. All right? Now, that may sound contradictory, but it's not. You see, the Lord's disciples were blessed to learn the mysteries about the kingdom of heaven. You know why? Because after he sent off the curiosity seekers, Jesus would then explain the parables in private. To his disciples. And they understood. So to conceal the truth. And to reveal the truth. And so in this parable here. Jesus presents three contrasts. Concerning praying. And the first one is this. Praying. praying, Contrasted. With fainting. Verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought always to pray. And not to faint. Have you ever fainted while praying? And I'm not speaking of physically fainting. The word faint means to lose heart. It also means to become discouraged. And it means to be utterly spiritless. To be wearied. Because of not having an immediate answer. You ever stop praying about something because you got tired of asking? Because you became weary? Because you lost faith? Well, may I encourage you, when you faint, the next time you faint, don't give up praying. Get get out God's smelling salt. Right, Doug? Yes. Get in the Word. And that will revive you. Don't give up praying. Because how easily we quit. But we must persevere and we must pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians five and verse seventeen says, Pray without ceasing. There it is. Again, it's that being in an attitude of prayer. Ephesians six and verse eighteen says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance, and supplication for all saints. And so, Jesus in this parable, he, he 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 contrasts praying with fainting. Don't faint. And then secondly, he contrasts the widow with God's children. Okay? Notice in verses 2 through 7, we'll not take time to read them, and he speaks about Uh, God's children in this parable here. Now, this widow, this widow had to overcome three obstacles. Um, Widows had it pretty tough back then. I mean, our hearts certainly go out to widows today, and should. And God's people, God's church should look out for widows. But, here's something. She was a woman. And she had no civil rights. You see, women in those days didn't have any rights whatsoever, none. Aren't you glad you didn't live back then? You know, I think it was common saying among among Jewish men that, uh, that they would pray a prayer something like, uh, "God, I I thank thee that uh, I thank thee that I'm not a woman, and I thank thee that I'm not a dog," something like that. Is that right, Mark? That was their prayer. It was tough being a woman, but being a widow was even tougher. In those days. And um, so she was a woman. She had no civil rights. (laughs) She was a widow. She had no one to represent her claim. She had no family. No one to represent her. Uh, She was poor. She was helpless. Uh, The word adversary, by the way, in verse 3, it means an opponent in a lawsuit. There was somebody who was after her, who wanted to sue her. This poor widow woman. She had no money. All she wanted was justice. And in those days, judges were bound to show special attention to widows. And we can read that in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17 in Jeremiah 22, 3. And the reason was because they were defenseless. They were commonly poor. And they were liable to be oppressed by those who were in power. Also notice the following about this woman. She was persistent to the point of wearing the judge out. Notice in verse 5. Yet because this widow troubleth me, the judge said, yet I I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. She weary me. Do you see that little phrase there? You know what that means? (laughs) This is interesting. The word used here in the original was used to denote the wounds and the bruises that were caused by boxers who beat each other up and gave each other a black eye. And in essence, what this judge is saying is, "I'm going to avenge this poor widow woman. Blessed by her continual coming, she gives me a black eye. She was wearing him out. And folks, we never wear God out by coming to Him. Never, never fear that man. You're just pestering God. That you're, you know." He just wants you to leave him alone. That's not our God. And then she had no friend to present her case. But we have an advocate. The Lord Jesus. Whoever lives and makes intercession for us. Before the throne of God. 1 John 2.1 She also came to a court of law. Uh, but you know what? When we come to God, we come to a throne of grace. Don't we? Hebrews 4.16 She had no help from anyone. But we have the Holy Spirit who assists us when we pray. Romans 8, 26. And I believe that we must depend upon his help. And then here's something else. The unjust judge is contrasted with a just and loving Heavenly Father. In verse 7. You see, God is not like the unjust, selfish, callous judge who who had to be bribed. God never becomes weary of our coming to him. God takes care of his own. And God answers prayer for his glory and for our good. Okay? And by the way, not to save his reputation. This judge was trying to save his reputation by answering this poor widow woman's pleas. One commentator said this, If a poor widow got what she deserved from a selfish judge, how much more will God's children receive what is right from a loving Heavenly Father? Let me close with this true story from history, all right? St. Catherine's Monastery near, near Mount Sinai in Egypt has preserved the remains of three monks in accordance with their last request made about 12 centuries ago. One was a doorkeeper who asked to hold his job forever and whose mummy has since been sitting beside the door he guarded all his life and forevermore. He's still there. The other two monks took a vow. when young to devout their lives to perpetual prayer and worship. One would pray while the other was asleep and then they would reverse the order. And after making the vow, they never saw nor spoke to each other again, although they occupied adjoining rooms. Their only connection was a chain that ran through the wall And it was fastened to their wrists. Which each would tug as a signal when they were ready to begin and end their prayer session. You get the picture? They died together. And today, their skeletons lie side by side in caskets. And they are still united by the same chain. You and I have never seen the Lord Jesus but we can always talk to Him. You know why? Because there's a chain that unites us. And that chain is prayer. So may this parable encourage every Christian to be persistent, not to faint, and to see the importance of praying. And I believe that's what Jesus was teaching His disciples here in this parable. And I hope that uh, tonight this will encourage you, all of us, to continue praying, regardless of what happens. Just be persistent. As I heard one preacher say years ago, just keep on keeping on. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Bless your word. Lord, we thank you that uh, you've not left us without your word, and we can learn so much from it. Thank you for the parable Jesus taught his disciples about the persistence of prayer. And we praise you and bless you tonight. Bless the time of prayer now in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.